Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year Major League career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt. Thank you very much, Shotgun, and welcome to Dirty Kurt's Dugout, episode number two. You know, I'm almost more excited about this episode than I was the first one, even though I was very excited about the first one, because tomorrow night, we're having our first watch party. And it almost seems like the way my life's going that I'm going to have to leave as soon as I get off the air here. But in reality, it's going to be 24 hours before me, Joe, and the rest of the crew is going to head over the Hacienda Casablanca in El Cajon to have our first watch party. If you don't know where it is, it's on 700 North Johnson in El Cajon. Just Google it. Put that in your phone and you're on your way. Meet us over there. We're going to have a good time. And the reason, naturally, for the watch party is the Padre Dodger game. It's the first game of a nasty road trip tomorrow night against the Dodgers up at Dodger Stadium in, in L.A. So I know there's a lot of you that go when the Padres pay, play in L.A. But if you don't, come out to Hacienda Casablanca because we're going to have a good time, which includes better margaritas and probably better food than Dodger Stadium has. So I want to thank Joe Nelson, our producer here, and also our technical guru, Alan. Uh, without them, I'm, uh, I'm stuck. And Shotgun Tom. Oh, The Edge, by the way. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really impressed that Shotgun got that. And he really did it on his own. I didn't write that script for him. By any means. But Shotgun is a big baseball fan. And for some reason, he's a big KB fan. And he knows how I used to play the game and the edge that I used to try to get. The edge that I used to try to get, a lot of you millennials out there think it's cheating. So there, you think I'm a cheater. But the edge is stealing signs trying to get the edge on the other team, sitting on the bench, watching the third base coach, watching the manager, because some teams, the manager would give the sign, and it was as simple as right leg up on the dugout step instead of the left leg up on it. I, I swear to you, Ralph Houck, when he was the manager of the Detroit Tigers, he'd put his right leg up on the top dugout step if they were going to hit and run. The rest of the game, he's got his left leg. So those are the little things that a lot of people don't think about. But if you watch enough, and it's still going on with just a few teams, most of the time, you've got the Dusty Bakers managing of the world, Bruce Bochy, who's not managing right here, but don't be surprised if he comes back. These guys still demand advanced scouts. These are the guys that go out before teams play a series against, like the Dodgers. Right now, there'd, there'd be an advanced scout watching the Dodgers play for this upcoming Padre series. And he would report back to the manager and the coaching staff on who's swinging the bat well, who's having trouble throwing certain pitches in certain situations, all the stuff that you need to be successful. Are, is it the same as analytics? No, it's not. Because there's no computer in the world that can watch a third base coach and pick up signs. It just can't happen. And if you don't think that teams are afraid of that stuff, there's a new deal in baseball. It's called the intentional block. Have you heard this one? The intentional block. We all know about the intentional walk. 
where a team can just signal to the umpire that they want that particular hitter walked and they don't have to throw the four pitches that it takes to walk a guy. Well, a balk is defined in the rule book as a move that the pitcher makes to deceive the runner, to make it very easy on you. Naturally, left-handers have a bigger advantage on being able to deceive the runner than right-handers do. But now there are certain players, and Kenley Jansen is one of them from the Dodgers. And I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just pointing it out that it's a new thing. The intentional balk. I mean, Kenley actually balked purposely so that the runner was on se- that was on second didn't mean anything. Or in other words, the Dodgers probably had a two-run lead at least. So in order for the team to tie the game up, the guy's got to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And what's the last thing that you want conveyed between the guy on second and the hitter at the plate? Is either location or what pitch is coming. Well, there are still hitters that cheat, folks. There are still second guys on second base, base runners that cheat to give their teammates an advantage. In baseball, it's not cheating. We'll argue about that until we're all blue in the face. If you want to argue with me about that, meet me at Hacienda Casablanca tomorrow night. Both of us will have a couple of margaritas, and we'll argue big time. Linda Wilson, I want you there. I don't want you in L.A. rooting for your Dodgers. I want you at Hacienda Casablanca in El Cajon. We're going to be there somewhere in the 5.30, 6 o'clock range. Uh, Game starts at 7.10. So we're going to have plenty of time to dabble back and forth. I'm going to do a Facebook Live and Instagram Live from there. Uh, Joe will be there. Uh, Alan won't, but that's okay. We'll invite him some other time. But uh, Cindy and Tony will be there, the proprietors. And we're going to have a good time. 700 North Johnson. Don't forget, tomorrow night around 530, quarter to six-ish, or even as late at six, if we hit a little traffic, because I'm coming from the other part of the world, up here in North County. All right, let me get to our discussion this week, some of our discussion this week. And the first thing I want to talk about, I don't know why I feel this way, whether or not it was because we haven't had one in two years or because of this podcast, this show, and I wanted to make sure that I paid attention, or whether I'm just a big baseball fan. But I was really looking forward to the Hall of Fame ceremonies yesterday. Why in the hell they had it on a Wednesday afternoon is beyond me. I don't know the answer to that, especially when they had a beautiful three-day weekend last week, it, 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 it must be something with a TV. It must be something with sponsorship. I don't know. But naturally, everybody wanted to see Derek Jeter. I wanted to see Derek Jeter. I wanted my kids to see Derek Jeter. And the reason for that is because Derek Jeter was and still is, as good a role model as you can possibly find that has anything to do with the game of baseball. He proved it yesterday, but I'll tell you what, there were a couple of other people that proved just how good they were also. Without a doubt, Ted Simmons gave the best speech. What an eloquent speaker this guy is. He was outstanding. And boy, if his phone isn't ringing off the hook today for voiceover work, I don't know anything about broadcasting. 
this guy has got one hell of a voice. And his speech was so good and so right on. And the way he paused for a second and got his point across and talked about Al Kaline, his childhood idol, who is still his idol today. I have even more respect than I had for Ted Simmons now than I had for him yesterday because of his Hall of Fame speech. Larry Walker, what a great ball player. And he did a heck of a job and threw in some comedy and made it enjoyable. But the guy I want to get to before I get to Derek Jeter is Don Fear. Don Fear accepted for Marvin Miller, who passed away in 2012. Marvin Miller is the reason all you people gripe about the salaries that are being made in Major League Baseball. It's the reason that people like me have the type of pension plan that we have. Is it exorbitant? No. Not in any sense of the term. Is it a good one? Sure. Is it fair for the owners and the players from all classes? And when I say all classes, I'm talking about guys that are still alive that were in class six. And then there were guys that were in class seven. And then there were guys that are in class eight, which is my class. And then we have the active players and the guys from 92 on that are in class nine. We'll get into all of that in another show. But I just want you to listen to this video clip of Don Fear's speech at Cooperstown when he was interrupted with jeers from the crowd because of something that he said. You listen and you tell me what you think. Just a couple of other words. Sorry, guys. Let me suggest to you why I think we're here today. It is because under Marvin's leadership. I tell you what. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're from. And I'm not going to even assume that it was all Derek Jeter fans. But you can go to hell. To jeer or make noises or have a reaction when somebody is giving it their all in their 15 minutes of a Hall of Fame speech, especially if somebody traveled that distance and is doing it for somebody that they look up to, it's a damn shame. And if anybody's watching this show and has any kind of defense for them speaking out at that time, please let me know what it was because I can't figure out any. It's, it's very simple in my mind. Don Feard made mention in his speech as, so I'll continue. And it was like the people wanted him to get off right away because they knew Derek Jeter was next. And it's like I said, I'm not saying it was all Jeter fans. I'm assuming that because of what was said and Don Fear saying, let me make this point before I get off, something along those lines, and people actually started making noise. And then chanting, Derek Jeter. I think it was a disgrace. I think of all of you, all of you that did it should be ashamed of yourself. And all of you folks out there that know somebody that might have been there that did it, give them a call and tell them what you think of. Because 
it's messed up. And then Derek, as good as you expected, as professional, and boy, what a beautiful family. You know, naturally, they show all of the inductees' families. And let, let me tell you how big of a star Derek Jeter is. Derek Jeter had Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan in his party. You know, I, I have to admit, people ask me at certain times throughout my life that, were you ever starstruck? Yeah, with two people. And one of those people was Michael Jordan. And the other one was Frank Sinatra. I played golf a whole round. It wasn't just like one shot or one hole. I played a whole round of golf with Michael Jordan up at the Tahoe event one year uh, back in the early 90s. And that was a thrill for me. And I'm sure it was a thrill for him. Yeah, I'm just kidding. It was a bigger thrill for me, I promise you. <laughs> but Michael and I played a lot of golf after that. And I got to know Michael fairly well. I don't know if Michael would show up for my induction into any Hall of Fame. But evidently, him and Derek are really close. And uh, they became friends uh, back before Michael even played professional baseball. So Derek Jeter's in the Hall of Fame. The one little gig that he threw out there that I thought was one of the best parts of the whole day was that he wanted to thank all the writers except for the one that didn't vote for him. I thought that was so cool. But yet all of you people find something wrong in everything on social media. So you had to point out that what makes him think he should get 100%? And he was kidding. I mean, give it a rest. I didn't get a chance to see this guy play 100% of the games. And I know what kind of impact that he had on that Yankee team. He's with the same organization for 23 years. He's Tony Gwynn-like, except even more because of the media exposure and the fact that he's in New York City. The Hall of Fame ceremonies were great. They did a great job. Why Wednesday? I don't know. I still don't know. But maybe they'll come up with an explanation. You know, when, it, when the Giants play the Dodgers the rest of the year, or not even play the Dodgers, but when they play a game, either team, it really shouldn't concern Padre fans unless they're playing against the Padres because they're, the games are really irrelevant. Unless they're playing like the Reds, uh, the Cardinals, like the Dodgers lost to today. Um, we'll get – let me – being that I'm on that right now, let me, let me tell you about this lineup. It's crazy. So the Dodgers are in – a situation where they desperately, or if they don't, they better damn well start thinking about it, need to win the National League West. I think the Dodgers have come to the conclusion that it's going to be a long road to hoe because the San Francisco Giants are good. They're not only good, but they proved that they can beat the Dodgers heads up. So the Dodgers are a little bit taken aback, I think. The last few games that they've played against the Giants and then brought it forward when they went to play St. Louis. I'm going to give you a lineup for the Dodgers today. 
Betts makes sense. Muncie makes sense. Turner, Turner. That's Trey and Justin. But then listen to this. Cody Bellinger's hitting fifth in that lineup. He's hitting 150. Steven Souza is hitting sixth. Bill McKenney and Austin Barnes are seven and eight. Barnes is the leaning hitter amongst all of those guys at 210. They were 0 for 12. And not that you can't pick out any part of any major league lineup on any given day and find guys that are going to have bad days. But, I mean, what's going on here? The Dodgers had a bullpen game, and then they leave Seager, Pujols, Smith, and Taylor on the bench. To only get one at bat, maybe. And a couple of them did get in a bat. Dodgers trying. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. Did the rotation fall into a situation where they didn't want to throw out Urias? Because he's starting tomorrow night against the Padres. Are the Dodgers that concerned about the San Diego Padres that they've held back their big three? We'll call them that for now. They are pretty pretty good. Urias, Bueller, and Scherzer. They held them back just like they did the week before to face the Giants. Held them back this weekend. They're going to get Musgrove, Paddock, and Snell. Now, I've got to tell you something. Two months ago, I would have said, you know what? If we can win one or two of those games out of the three, I'll take it. Because in one of them, we don't have a chance. And I'd be referring to the Paddock game. You know what? This kid's kind of lighting my eyes up a little bit the last couple of outings. He started to go in more. He started to get breaking balls over when he's behind the count. He's starting to do the things that he needed to do to not only be consistent, but to be a winning pitcher in the major leagues. And he's done that for two consecutive starts, which I don't think he's done before. But the most important thing was working off his fastball. And then you have Musgrove, who he can knock the generator off a lightning bug's butt. His control is so good, it's along there with Melanson. But the guy that has really stepped it up has been Blake Snell. He, in my mind, has become the ace of the staff. I mean, he really has. Yeah, over Musgrove, the guy that threw the no-hitter. I mean, Blake Snell has had a no-hitter going where he was taken out of the game and the Padres end up losing. The last game that he pitched, he had a perfect game and the Padres ended up losing. The offense needs to figure it out, and we're going to talk about that a little later on in the show. But I just wanted to talk about the Dodger lineup today because I was really surprised seeing this lineup that I saw. Naturally, I wasn't surprised with the first four, but considering that the ball club got four hits, And the first three guys in the lineup were the only guys that got hits. The other six didn't. And that includes Justin Turner, who went 0 for 4. Dodgers lose 2 to 1 to the Reds. 
to the Cardinals. I mean, I'm sorry. And the Cardinals right now are a half game closer to the San Diego Padres than they were before that game started. And they're going to stay that way because the Padres don't play today. So I don't know what the thought process is with the other teams around the league. It's probably the same as ours. If you're looking at things, I mean, the Reds are playing the Cardinals this weekend. Everybody wants them to split. That's a Padre fan. They certainly don't want one team to sweep the other one because naturally you're going to go up on one of the teams, but then the other team is going to gain on you if you lose. So there's so many little idiosyncrasies that you have to look at. But while we're looking at things, let's look at Blake Snell real quick and watch these pitches that he's striking out guys with that are nasty sliders. And quite a few of them are in the dirt, but then when he gets one over, they still can't hit it. So it's amazing the way he has kind of turned his season around with getting his breaking balls over enough or close enough to the strike zone where the hitters are swinging at him even when they're out of the strike zone. And let me tell you something. This pitch, the pitch that you're seeing, is set up on fastballs. Those hitters just, they're not swinging at balls three feet out of the strike zone and that bounce a foot or two in front of home plate. They don't swing at those all the time. Unless a pitcher is throwing a good fastball and some with some fastballs inside, and the hitter's thinking about that. That's what makes the breaking ball pitches effective, are throwing it at the right times off of fastballs. So let's talk about the wild card, because naturally – the Padres are right in the thick of it. It's interesting because I think there's a team out there that, I don't know, at least people here on the West Coast have kind of overlooked or they've forgotten about. Uh, unless you're from Philly. Yeah, that's the Philadelphia Phillies. They are only a couple of games out of the wild card game which effectively puts them on the tail of the Atlanta Braves also who are leading the Eastern Division in the National League. So we have the Reds, the Cardinals, and the Phillies that everybody in San Diego is looking at. Or if you're not looking at the Phillies, you should be. Because... In my mind, they have the best schedule. If you look at the Padres' schedule, I mean, it is brutal. Between now and the end of the season, I'm talking about. And there's 20, 22 games and a half. And we'll talk about the half in a minute, but don't forget that. Please, because it's not even a half, and it could be so important. But out of the 22 regular season games that are on the schedule, 16 of them are against the Giants and the Dodgers. If you're five games out of first place, I want that. But 14 and a half games out of first place and fighting for the wild card spot, I don't want that. Because those games are wars and they're neck and neck. Not the games with, not just the games with the Dodgers either. I'm talking about the games with the Dodgers and the Giants. They're always great games to watch and good baseball but they're going to keep you on the edge of the seat and your nails are going to be bitten by the end of the year, I promise you. 16 games, and it all starts 
tomorrow night at Dodger Stadium for three games, a weekend series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they go up to San Francisco, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, four games to play the Giants, who they fall out of bed and win. They're just finding ways to win. I don't think the Dodgers are going to win win the National League West. I think the Giants are not only good, they got the mojo going on, and I think the Dodgers are down. And I think the Dodgers are back to what they were doing before this season even started, and certainly right at the beginning of it, is now their concern is the San Diego Padres. And I'll tell you why. Because of one guy on the pitching staff. They don't want any part of Blake Snell. I mean, it it was evidenced a couple of years ago in the World Series. Do you remember? Controversial removal of Blake Snell in the seventh inning. Dodgers come back and win the game. Dodgers don't like Blake Snell. They can't hit Blake Snell if he's anywhere near the vicinity of where he wants to throw the ball. And I'll tell you what, you put the Blake Snell that has pitched the last two, three, four, five games out there, he's going to beat the Dodgers all day long. So who do the Padres want to play in the postseason? If it's a one-game series, I want to play the Dodgers. As crazy as that sounds, I want to play the L.A. Dodgers. The one-time, one-game wildcard game, even though it's going to be in Los Angeles. I mean, you got to pick your poison. You want to go to San Francisco, you want to go to L.A. I want to go to L.A. for a couple of reasons. It's closer. And the big reason is Blake Snell. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't throw well against San Francisco Giants because he does. But there's just something when Blake Snell takes the mound against the Los Angeles Dodgers that clicks. And I'll tell you what. It's on the other side of the field, too. When Blake Snell's standing there on, around, on the mound, the Dodgers are looking out there, and they're going, they're thinking about how quick they can make their way into the bullpen. And that's the reason he's going to be successful, if he throws like he has been, because now he's throwing strikes. So there's no taking a pitch or two to up his pitch count. Yeah, I got it all figured out. Not really. So, you know what? I, I There was a team that I left out, and, and I apologize to the Mets fans out there. And, and that's the Mets. Uh, the Mets have fought their way back into – somewhat of a contention for the wild card game. I don't think that they're going to win um, the National League West or East, I mean. Um, I just don't think that they have the talent for it or that they have enough time left. The Braves are playing too good and so are the Phillies. But the reason that I'm so up on the Phillies is – the same reason I'm up on the Padres with Blake Snell on the mound because Bryce Harper is on that ball club and Bryce Harper has done things. We talk about guys carrying clubs. He hasn't necessarily carried the team, but he's certainly got him through the door doing things, little things that it takes to win games cutting balls off in the outfield before they get to the gap. 
taking an extra base when the opportunity presents itself. And I'm talking about a smart base. But most importantly, what is Bryce Harper to you? If you were to describe what kind of hitter Bryce Harper was, what would you say? It's a power hitter. And the guy hits for a pretty decent average. So when you see a guy up to the plate, that's a power hitter, and he's facing a right-handed pitcher, and his team's down a couple of runs, what do you think he's trying to do? Yeah, he's, your thought process is that he's trying to do what every other league, guy in the league's trying to do, hit the ball out of the ballpark. But you know what Bryce Harper's been doing lately? And, boy, he's been doing it to perfection. And that's the difference between what Bryce Harper's done for the Phillies and that have propelled them into a win streak and what a couple of Padre hitters have attempted to do and haven't been successful because they haven't been able to get the job done. And that's laid down a bunt. A bunt. This is something that you can go into the cage and do for hours by yourself. But yet, Major League players rob us as fans of run scoring ability, the excitement of having a guy on third base and the infield being called in, the excitement of having a guy on third base after having bunted him over, of a short fly ball in the outfield where the outfielders got a chance to throw the runner out at home like Fernando Tatis did yesterday for his first outfield assist, not on a fly ball, but on a base hit. Bryce Harper is enough of a team guy and smart enough and has the ability enough and practices enough where he's laid bunts down when his team's down two or three runs because if he hits the ball out of the ballpark and there's nobody on, he cannot hit a three-run homer. Bryce Harper, as good as he is, cannot hit a two-run home run if he leads off the inning. But you know what he can do? He's smart enough to know if he lays down a bunt that those guys behind him are swinging the bat pretty good and they've got an opportunity to tie this game up. That's a team player. That's what makes chemistry. I'm not saying the Padres don't have that. What I'm saying is we'll hold that off to another day on the chemistry part. But I am saying that Padre hitters have tried it. Machado, do you remember his last year with the Dodgers in the World Series? He bunted and caught everybody, including the announcers, everybody in the stands, the people at the concession stands, anybody in the ballpark, along with the defense, where nobody moved. He just walked the first base. Will Myers has bunted the ball before for base hits. Adam Fraser can certainly bunt. And he's a, a good bunter, except teams tend to play him in a little further because he's not that much of a power hitter. Trent Grisham is a bunter. He can work on it a little bit more because there's times where he tries to bunt. It's terrible. These are the kind of things that San Diego Padres are going to have to do on this upcoming road trip if they want to come back in one piece. When you're playing 10 games on the road against the Dodgers, Giants, and Cardinals, you can get splintered. And we don't want that to happen because we want to have some exciting baseball. 
So let me get back to the Phillies real quick. I know I've been on them, but after all, Mickey Moniak lives in San Diego. His family's probably watching. The Phillies are home from the 9th through the 26th. That's today until the 26th of the month, with the exception of three games that they play right down the street at City Field in New York against the Mets. They're home. I mean, their schedule is so far on their side. It's not even funny. They've got games against Atlanta. They've got games against the Mets or the teams that they're trying to to catch. We're not trying to catch the Los Angeles Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants here. We can't. You can't catch somebody that is impossible to catch. So what you're playing for is you're playing for your playoff life in a wild card game. That's what the Padres are doing. Let's jump to the American League real quick. American League's interesting. And I'll tell you why. For the most part, the divisions are all wrapped up. You got Tampa Bay in the East, you got the Chicago White Sox in the Central, and you've got the Houston Astros in the West. The Boston Red Sox hold a half a game lead over the New York Yankees. But let me tell you about the teams that are behind them. And this is the exciting part because this one club is just full of young talent. I'm talking about Tatis-like talent. And that's the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays are only game and a half out of the wildcard game. You know why? Because they've peeled off seven wins in a row, including three in a row against the New York Yankees. And let's see. The game is starting just about now where they could make it four in a row. The other team, Seattle, naturally. But their chances are probably only for the wild card just because of the schedule and the fact that they had an opportunity to beat Houston but didn't uh, recently. And also the Oakland A's, who are a half a game behind Seattle, who incidentally is only two and a half games out of the wild card game. But, I mean, Toronto is six games versus Tampa Bay and three versus the Yankees. Uh, The three versus the Yankees are at home. So they got some big games coming up. I mean, the Padres, if you look at their schedule and you go, if they have 22 games left, 16 of them are against the Giants and the Dodgers. You got to figure if they play 500, that will be pretty good. Right? All 16 games are on the road. It's crazy. But let me tell you about the half a game. Because it could be important. At the end of the year, 28th, 29th, and 30th, I think it is, the Atlanta Braves come into San Diego. A suspended game has been slid in to the schedule in front of the first game. Matter of fact, I got a a text from the league office, so I'm going to read it to you. On because I called about the game because I wanted to know something, and I'll explain that to you in a minute. 
But the suspended San Diego game at Atlanta from Wednesday, July 31st. This is straight from the office. From Wednesday, July 31st, we'll resume in San Diego on Friday, September 24th at 510. We all kind of knew that because of the schedule. The originally scheduled game will follow the conclusion of the suspended game. Now, the reason this is such an important point is that, one, the Braves are the home team in this game, even though they're going to be playing at Petco. It's the bottom of the fifth inning, which is the Braves' inning, because the game was suspended from the ballpark in Atlanta when the Braves were home against the Padres. It's only seven inning game. The Padres have a 5-4 lead. So the Padres have to get nine outs before they give up a run or score a few more runs to solidify their lead. And they come away with an easy victory. The Padres need to concentrate on that game, I think. You know, are you going to forget about the rest of them? Of course not. But concentrate on those three innings. No player can be reused in the game. So in other words, if you are on the roster still and you were removed from that game, You can't be, you can't go back into the game. Now, if a player came to the Atlanta Braves or the San Diego Padres for that matter and took a roster spot of a player that had been used, they are eligible, they are eligible to play in the game. or be inserted in the game. So if you have any questions about that, meet us at Hacienda Casablanca tomorrow night. I can go over that with you to the best of my ability. And we're going to have a lot of fun out there. Uh, If you, uh, Hacienda Casablanca, of course, is our title sponsor here on the Dirty Kurtz Dugout. I welcome everybody if you just tuned in. Uh, My producer, Joe Nelson, my technical advisor, Alan, uh, do a great job. We're going to bring this show to you every week, and we're going to have some great guests. Uh, Our guest next week, by the way, if you missed the show last week, you got to go back and watch it. It's with Joe West. It's pretty pretty in-depth, and it's it's interesting. I always have a good time talking to Joe, but uh, Barry Bloom, Barry Bloom's going to be on our show. The reason he's not on today is because he's in Cooperstown, New York. He has been a Hall of Fame voter since 1992. Uh, He's a national writer. Uh, He's got too many awards to mention. Uh, He's written for Forbes, Forbes, He's worked on and off the field for MLB.com. He writes for Sportico.com now. And uh, he's got a couple of biographies under his belt with a third one coming out of uh, people that you know very well. Uh, One is Larry Boa and the other one is Tony Gwynn. And the biography that's coming out, I believe, has something to do with the 1984 Padres. So that should be interesting. Because I would imagine I'm going to be mentioned in there somewhere. And he's doing this in conjunction with Ballard Smith, who was the president of the ball club at the time and basically took over when uh, Ray Kroc died. 
in, uh, in January of that year uh, for the next few years. So next week, Barry Bloom, I'm sure you'll be here. I know I will. But where I want to see you is at our first watch party, which is going to be at Hacienda Casablanca in El Cajon. If you like, you know, it doesn't even have to be Mexican. If you like food, this is a great place. And the service is awesome. The uh, proprietorship there are is second to none. And they're just good people. Uh, they're good to Joe and I. And uh, I'm looking forward to going out there. We're going to do a, a Facebook and Instagram live from out there. And we're going to watch the Dodgers play our San Diego Padres. Let's see what happens with the games tonight. See what shape the Padres are in. Wild card wise, after the games tonight, in which they have an off day, they're going to have another off day, I believe, after they come off of this road trip. And they don't have too many off days the remainder of the season. But they do have an off day after this road trip. And they'll have one other. So like the Toronto Ball Club, they have four or five off days between now and the end of the year. I mean, that's nice to be able to not only rest the weary, but also rest your pitching staff. The Padres have two days off. And I... You know, the Dodgers might not have any. I don't know. I, I'm, I haven't delved that far into it because what the Dodgers do and what the Giants do between now and October 3rd, I don't really care unless they're playing the San Diego Ball Club or a contending ball club for the National League wildcard spot because I certainly do care about that stuff. So we're going to have a great time tomorrow night. Uh, I'll be here next week uh, with Barry Bloom from Sportico. So tune in. Uh, we're going to drop that show. I'll make mentions throughout the course of the week on uh, Facebook Live. Uh, but until tomorrow night, this is Kurt Pavakwa saying thank you to Joe Nelson. Thank you to Alan. And thank you to all of you for watching. And please tell your friends. And come on over and join us tomorrow night. I'll tell you one more time. Hacienda Casablanca, 700 North Johnson in El Cajon. Be there. We will see you then. Thank you. <laughs>